Welcome back to Season 5 of Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me is my co-host who always reflects before he snacks, I mean acts, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I ring the gong, Andy. (laughs) And so all I do is I ring the gong. We need a gong on this podcast. Oh, I, I'm sure as people drive and listen to us, they what they want to hear is occasionally a gong sound. That's the merch we've been looking for. Oh, people Lord. can listen to our podcast and just hit the gong. Oh, Lord. It's like the gong show. It's great. All righty. So what movie are we doing today, Andy? We're doing Mulan from 1998, the animated original Mulan Film. Oh, good. I'm ex- I'm excited to talk about that. I am too. This movie was a big part of uh, my coming of age, so I really like this movie a lot. Less so mine, but but we can talk. We can talk about that. Uh, you have any key facts for us? I have a bunch of key facts. So let's jump right in. So yeah. in 1989, Walt Disney Feature Animation Florida was launched on the back lot of the Disney MGM Studios theme park. Remember that? I still call it the MGM's theme park. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you're of a certain age, you call Disney's Hollywood Studios Disney MGM or just MGM, right? Right. Uh, right. Uh, so Disney guests could watch animators at work on various projects. Uh, the team did a lot of ink and paint work on Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King. So if you were lucky enough to be going to the theme parks, you could see them painting those those individual cells, which is really great. So after the success of those pictures, this team convinced Disney executives that they could create their own film from start to finish. So, yeah. So Jeff Curdy, who's a great author uh, and has done a lot of the art of books about Disney films. So the, in the art of Mulan, which by the way, is available in its entirety online. If you love this movie, you should check it out. And we, well, well, why don't we just post a link in our, we'll, on our we'll Facebook page? We'll post a link on our Facebook page when, when the episode comes out. Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, so if you love this movie, check it out. Uh, Jeff Curdy details how the story of Mulan mirrors the coalescence of this animation group. So they kind of saw themselves as this unconventional secret force coming together to bring honor to the Disney animation process. Oh, that's fun. That's so when fun. You, yeah, so when you think of Mulan that way, like it, it's pretty cool to me. So they're all singing "Let's Get Down to Business" in the halls of MGM. <laughs> right, right. So the story of Mulan is based on a piece in a Chinese collection uh, called the Yufu. It's uh, a, from the Song Dynasty. It's a compendium of lyrics, songs, poems. And this particular piece is translated into English as the Ballad of Fa Mulan. The date of the piece is unknown. It's from somewhere in the fifth or sixth century, but it's worth your time to read. If you're, especially if you're a poet, it's definitely worth your time to read. And you can find it printed in the Jeff Curdy book in its entirety. So that's really nice. Mulan translates to Magnolia. So Mu means wood, Lan means orchid. If you know anything about magnolia trees, they're super strong. The blossoms, very beautiful. It's kind of neat. So so while the team knew that they had a beloved Chinese tale on their hands that they wished to honor, they also knew 
There were dozens of iterations all across various Asian cultures of this very story. So if they felt like that, the fact that there were dozens of iterations gave them freedom to explore different parts of Mulan's character that maybe weren't, you know, as a part, a part of the story. So right, like when you do a Cinderella story, there's hundreds of versions of Cinderella. So they, exactly. were thinking, they were thinking along those lines. Exactly. So what they landed on is how Mulan isn't a misfit, but that her strength is really selflessness. And the head of story, Chris Sanders, who's done dozens of Disney movies, he stated in the, I think in the Curdy book, that the opportunity to do a different female lead is really what made him fall in love with the project. And I think that's a great point because, you know, our younger listeners might think of Mulan as one of a group of Disney princess warriors like uh, Merida from Brave or, or, you know, or Elsa, who's got her ice powers and, and can do stuff in a fight if she wanted to. But right. Mulan really is the first one who holds her own, right? Right. I mean, and the other, we've talked about this before, the other Disney princesses are can be kind of passive, at least yeah, up until this point. It's true. Even, even Jasmine, who I would argue is probably the best of the princesses in terms of uh, activity. I mean, she's got a pet tiger. That That's not nothing. <laughs> Um, right, but right, right. but like she's not fighting, although she does kind of in the animated series. But yeah, but yeah, but Mulan is the first in that real real character envisioned as a female warrior princess. Yeah, yeah. So while this project Mulan does three hundred million dollars worldwide, not too shabby, it doesn't do so well in China, and the hope was that it would. So there's a correspondent for the Baltimore Sun. His name's Frank Langfitt. He crafted an article in May of 1999 and explained that the Chinese filmgoers referred to the movie as Foreign Mulan in Chinese. Oof. Yeah, Oof. I know. <laughs> so in the original story, in the original poem, uh, the epic, uh, Mulan wasn't fighting patriarchy. She was simply protecting her father and bringing honor. So she wasn't fighting for her own glory and identity. She was fighting for her father's. And another piece of curiosity for the Chinese people was the American dragon. <laughs> uh, the slapstick goofiness was nothing like a Chinese dragon. Which is funny to me because I do think that this Mulan, the, the major motivating force in this is she wants to save her father, that she's fighting for her father. Um, I hear I hear you on the American dragon thing, though, uh, well, for I think sure. Yeah, I think there's an individuality issue. So as opposed to thinking for the collective, which is kind of how they're wired, they saw this as like an American going for their own identity and that that's really important. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, two additional problems for the Chinese market. The first was that China only allowed 10 officially sanctioned foreign films in each year. They weren't in love with this piece and so they didn't really promote it very well and the second was piracy so people in theaters in other countries were taping films with handheld video cameras and then selling those copies on the streets of beijing so most people had already seen mulan by the time it came out although they saw the very shaky hand version i guess <laughs> well i mean you know Standards right. being standards, sure. Now so, we get to do our least favorite thing on this podcast, but oh our must. Boy. We may not want to, but we must. 
Racist Roundup. Yes. Time for Racist Roundup. Yeah. Did you miss Racist Roundup, listeners? Uh, okay. So <laughs> no there are does. a number of things that we should talk about in this movie that are problematic. Uh, many of the – how do I want to say this? Many of the actors playing Chinese characters are not themselves Chinese or don't identify necessarily as Chinese or Chinese-Americans. Right. Uh, so, you know – by the standards of 1998, this practice was probably a little tired. Uh, if, but if that happened today, we would certainly have major, major issues with it. Uh, I also want to throw out that there's one character in particular who is problematic, and that is Chifu, who is the if, – if, if you don't know who Chifu is, he's the guy following around Shang, uh, saying, oh, the emperor is not going to like this. Uh, and and many people felt that the way that he was drawn and depicted, uh, the way he was written, reinforced some pretty pretty unflattering uh, stereotypes. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say there are other things that people find problematic about this movie, but they aren't all universal. Like like some some people who who watch this who are of uh, who are Chinese or Chinese American descent say I love this. Um, and then others are like, this part bothers me. Certainly neither Andy or I are in the call, in the place to make the call as no. to whether, whether these things cross lines or don't cross lines. But you should be aware that some people feel that they do. Uh, and finally, the last, the last bit that we'll throw on here is there is criticism in the, of this movie in the way in which the Huns, uh, who are the villains of this movie, are depicted. Um, that those aren't human characters, that the way that they're drawn um, and the way that they're they're motivated, like like would lend one to believe that this is this is an evil race of people. Right. And and I think all of these critiques are things that we need to consider uh, as writers, as we're creating our own work going forward uh, and be aware of it as we're watching Mulan. So the Manish Tanah is one of the prayers of Passover. It, it's the four questions. Uh, and we start asking in Passover, if you are uh, Jewish as I am, uh, we, we always ask, why is this night different from all other nights? And when we apply this to a movie or to a screenplay, what we're really asking here is, why does this m movie begin in the place where it begins? This movie could begin with the birth of Fa Mulan. This movie could begin uh, with the building of the Great Wall of China. This movie could conceivably begin significantly later. But instead, this movie begins, uh, we're at the Great Wall of China. We see uh, grappling hooks coming over the wall. Uh, the, the Huns come in and they are invading China. Right. And I the wanna, walls the walls breach, the signals lit. There's it's it's pretty deep. I mean, this is not the stakes are pretty high from the from the get-go, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, this is this is not um this is not like a light opening to a Disney movie. And sometimes in other Disney movies, Andy, we've talked about how the movie begins on the villains. Um, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes that's very sinister, but sometimes it's comedic. I'm thinking Disney's Hercules. When we meet Hades, uh, we meet him, and of course he's a bad guy, but we're not, we're not like, we're, we know we're in for a good time in this movie right, in terms right. of humor. Why do you think we start off this way? 
Well, I think, I, I mean, maybe this is kind of crazy, but. Um, That's our favorite yeah, thing to say. Th- okay. Okay. So <laughs> there's a, there's a war going on inside Mulan. We don't know that. Right. And the fact that there's a backdrop of a war where she's got an identity crisis going on at the same time, I think is kind of a, we've got a two front war. Okay. So you're, you're pointing to like, there's a thematic symbolism yeah, yeah. to this opening here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I would read it a little differently, but that's okay. We're allowed to read this differently. We don't, we don't sure. know. That doesn't mean I'm right for, for me. Uh, what we're really doing here is we're setting an expectation that it's about stake setting. Uh, when these two, when these two Huns c- come in, not when these two Huns, when the two guards, the gate go running from the gate, there's this moment where the villain says, and how many people do we need to send a message? And in, we see, we don't, we don't see, but we know what happens. We see the arrow get shot. And we know that one of those two guys running from the gates uh, is killed. That is telling us this is a, these are bad guys to take seriously. This Uh is a situation that is dire and necessitates our concern. Yeah. And, and we need a hero, right? We need somebody. Uh, The next scene that we see is, you know, these, these folks have come to the emperor and the emperor says a single grain of rice can tip the scale, right? One man can be the difference. And then the next thing we, we have a slam cut to Milan eating her breakfast rice. Um, and the, how is this, you know, how is this person going to tip the scale? I'm, I'm with you. I want to come back and talk about the emperor a little bit when we get, when we get to character. Of course. Um, but, but I think, I think that's right. Well, what we're doing here is if we'd started on Mulan, if we started the movie on Mulan, we'd be watching a young girl and we wouldn't know that this movie is headed to a war. Right. Right. But now, now when we see her, it creates this sort of juxtaposition. We're seeing a young girl getting ready to go to a matchmaker. How could this possibly be the person who's going to deal with the threat that's coming, that's coming over the border? I, th- right, I think, right. I think that's right. So we know she's the one that's going to be the one to tip the scale probably, but, but how, how would she right. do that? Especially given all the constraints that she's under. So, so, Following the plot line, then, what we always talk about is everything, uh, what we're looking for in a movie is an inciting incident, a moment that's going to activate our protagonist and send them on a journey. Right. And I'm going to use the example of Star Wars here, and I'm going to talk about how there's a lot of exposition in, in A New Hope. We meet young Luke Skywalker, there's C-3PO and R2-D2, all of that stuff. But if Luke never leaves Tatooine, we don't have a movie, right? Mm-hmm. He has to make the decision to go. If he's like, sorry, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, I'm going to bury you and then back to moisture farming for me, that's not a movie, right? <laughs> no, it is not. So, so that being said, there's a lot of exposition here. We see Mulan. We meet her family, her mother, her father, her grandmother. Uh, she gets ready to go to the matchmaker. The, the visit to the matchmaker goes poorly. What is the moment, though, that's the inciting incident that's actually going to start Mulan's story? Well, usually there'll be a sequence in a film. And this, this movie is pretty 
sequential. So right at, at the 15 minute mark, um, which is the, usually the end of the exposition, right? Yes. We, we learn uh, that one man, emphasis on man, from each family has to serve in the Imperial Army to uh, defeat uh, Shan Yu and the Huns, right? Yes. So uh, we know that that's happening, and her father makes the decision that he's going to go. He's clearly not able to go, but his honor won't allow him to admit that. And um, and he doesn't see any other possibility. So, but Mulan does. And, and it's she, Mul- yeah. yeah. And it's Mulan's making the decision. I'm going to go to keep my father safe. That that is the inciting incident of this movie. Right. Um, and prior to that, we've had the her I want princess song. We've talked about that many times in the many exposition. Times. Yeah. So each of the princesses seems to have a song. Ariel's is, I think, the clearest. Uh, well, Belle as well. They yeah. each have a kind of an I want song. Something I want that's something I'm not getting. And it's the song Reflection. And she says, I'll never be a perfect bride or daughter. And the, she asks three questions. Who am I? Why is my reflection someone I don't know? And when will my reflection show who I am inside? Right. Right. And so we don't know why, but she's she is compelled to take her father's space. Well, I mean, I, I think a big part of that compulsion is the fact she knows if her father goes to war, he's going to die. Um, and she and loves I think, him, right? I think he I think he knows that. I think I think everyone everyone who sees that scene knows it, but no one's the only one who says that is Mulan. Mulan actually in that moment says the thing that everybody knows, you can't send him, he can't fight. Right. I mean, they're sitting at the dinner table, everybody's eating very quietly and she just pounds the table and says you can't do this. Uh, worse than that for for her father is when she does it publicly when the soul when the when oh, the yeah. generals yeah. come and she, and her father says Mulan you have brought me shame or something right. along those lines right right um you know you know that she's the only one saying a truth that everybody knows but they're going to ignore because of honor right so. All right, so if that's the inciting incident, what comes next is the rising action. And the rising action is the period between the inciting incident and what we call the climax. The climax is the moment of greatest contrast, of greatest stakes, of greatest dramatic tension. In a lot of Disney movies, it's the place where the forces of good fight off the forces of evil. Uh, so all of the time that she spends training to become a soldier and disguised as Ping, that's all rising action. Um, so that and that's not a short part of this movie. They're they're in training for for I'd say a good 15, 20 minutes. Right. I yeah, this movie does have a very unfortunate part in its rising action, though. And 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 as I mentioned before, this movie is very nearly beat for beat like in Aladdin. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he's not a prince. That's his secret. She's not a man. That's her secret. Um, Great parallel. But very very unfortunately, this movie slows down. And even though it's slapsticky, it still slows down when we meet Mushu. Right. Uh, And it doesn't pick up again until midway through the song, um, A Girl Worth Fighting For. Right. Right. Where we're having this, like, we're still kind of in like a comedy movie. 
But then there's that one bit where suddenly they get they get to where they're going and the army's been d- defeated and destroyed. A village right. has been razed to the ground. We find the doll and the, there's a tonal shift here. It was playtime during basic training. Right. Now the stakes are real. Right. And even though this movie, like I said, is beat for beat like Aladdin, it doesn't work as well when we meet Mushu. Uh, when when we meet the genie, he's with Aladdin. Right. When we see the genie as someone to solve Aladdin's troubles, right? But when we meet Mushu, Mulan's nowhere to be found. So it feels like this movie has to take a break to get to know the ancestors in Mushu, even though we've had plenty of opportunities to get to know them in the exposition prior to the inciting incident. So I, I just... This is my one quibble with this movie. So a, a couple of solutions, if I may. Sure. If if we met Mushu and the ancestors in the exposition, that would have been great. Mm-hmm. If we would bring Mushu in at the point Mulan is faced with the decision to take her father's place, now he could be a real confidant and the miracle she needed in root, you know, and and give her the, you know, the the juice to make that decision. That's okay. a possibility. Another possibility is to just cut the part where Mushu awakens and goofs off with the ancestors and introduce him right after Mulan asks for a miracle. Because by introducing Mushu ahead of time, we lose that element of surprise. There's no Cheshire Cat, there's no Genie. and But I'm telling you, in this movie, when we step out of Mulan's POV, the whole story slows down. And and I also have a solution to this. I'm not sure. Well, I'll, I'll yeah. do it now because it came Hit up it. organically. Hit so it. so my solution with this is I think the opening of this should be Mulan's father in battle. We see how he gets injured. Oh, and that, smart. Yeah. And that later on, we realize Mushu tells us that the reason her father got injured was Mushu failed him. And we see that same scene again. But we see that Mushu, there was something Mushu was supposed to do in that moment, and, and he blew it. See, and that that would show us why he got demoted, right? Yes. As opposed to just telling us we would get to again show, not tell, right? That would, I, I yeah, I think it would make a much better. It would also make story. Mushu's atone uh, motivation atonement rather than he's got to prove himself to people who don't believe in him, right? right? He right it. But anyway, okay, we got to get back to the plot. Anyway, no, no, no. I just, I, the reason I brought this up is because I think there are, as you're watching it now, and I don't remember this, watching this in 1998, but as I'm watching it now, I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are we taking this break? Why do we constantly, and it's not, not to say that when something dramatic happens, you don't pull the pin a little bit and let some air out, but, but there's, there's something that, hmm. It, it it just the flow is a problem. I think I think the problem really is when and you bringing up the comparison to Aladdin, I think, is great. Genie's agenda really is unselfishly Aladdin's agenda. Yes, right. he's been promised the last wish is going to set him oh, free. Great. Yeah, great point. But but the truth, the truth of the matter is Genie is really working to make Aladdin happy. But Mushu has something to prove about himself. It's right. a more selfish motivation, and and he's willing to put Mulan in danger in order to achieve his goals, right? Mushu's, Mushu yeah. was assigned, I mean, his task was bring Mulan back, if anything. 
Right. But he's decided that what's important is showing what he can really do, which is propel Mulan to be a hero. That's about him more than it is about her. Right, right. Right. And, All right. Yeah. And one more thing here. So when Li Shang enters the picture, it often becomes more his story and less Mulan's. It is entirely his story. And that I, that, that I think is, you know, what we would call a protagonist problem. That, right? Yeah, for sure. For uh, because sure. it's about, can he train this ragtag group of misfits? Uh, hey, let, let's do it now because we're doing it now. Let's do it. The stakes in act one of this are, if Mulan doesn't go to war, her father will. So she's right. got to save his life. But the stakes in act two are, if Shang doesn't train these group of soldiers to become an army, they're all going to be sent back home and he will have failed. It is not her stakes. Right. It's his stakes. And I want to I want to throw something out there. Sure. This is a conscripted army. And I know that culturally I come from a different place on this. If I've been drafted into the army against my will, right? Right. And and you tell me if I don't shape up in boot camp you're going to send me home. My stakes <laughs> on that right. are, are nil. If I'd wanted to be there, I'd have signed up for it. You drafted me. Oh, you don't like the job I'm doing? Send me home. I dare well, you. Except for, except for there's an honor issue, right? If you would go home. Yeah, it's a and cultural issue. It's a cultural thing. Sure, sure. But, but again, but just, we, want, we want more Mulan, not less. When but, Sh- and when Shang's father dies, it becomes Shang's story. And I think, again, we have another missed opportunity because why not have Mulan's father attempt a failed rescue? Because he would expose her, right? Yeah, Um, I I guess so. The story requires that to not happen. But but I do want to point out the tension when you switch it to Shang, like whether or not the army is going to be good enough, is a false tension. Yep. Of course it's going to, they're going to be good enough. This is Mulan's story, not your story. That's right. We don't we don't need to worry about whether Shang is going to succeed or not. It it's not his story. Mulan has to go to war. Mm-hmm. And spending 20 to 25 minutes on that question uh I I think is maybe not the best use of time, especially because I think we're going to get to a structural issue in a couple of seconds. Yeah, go ahead. Talk which about is, that structural issue. The cli- what is the climax of this movie? I feel like this movie has a false climax before mm-hmm. it has a real one. I mean, I think when she's found out by Shang and he doesn't kill her, that seems to be a good, a, a pretty a climactic moment, right? It, it, even before that, when oh, they yeah? meet the Huns, there is a moment oh. where, where Mulan saves everyone. Yeah, the everyone, avalanche, right? And everyone believes like the bad guys have been beaten. And the truth of the matter is if this sequence happened at the end of the movie, where she buries them all in snow, it would be the climax, right? She did yeah. it. She beat I mean, them. We get this great payoff of her causing the avalanche that wipes out the Hun army. My problem with that is that there's no really good setup to that yeah. payoff. I mean, all the time we spend introducing Mushu and getting into Shang's story. Why did they bother spending- training? We exactly. We could be spending setting up a payoff. Now we know she can climb a pole, and later on that gets paid off. And we see that she's clever in getting a dog to chase a bone to spread chicken feed or whatever, right? 
But that hardly translates into this cunning skill, this bow skill. So the thing that's supposed to set this up is really subtle. And it happens when we first meet Mulan as she's going around the farm. She passes uh, two people in the village who are playing checkers and she sees the right move to help the person win. And she she makes the move. It happens in about three seconds. The idea is supposed to be she sees the thing that other people don't say, the strategy that other people don't say. But we that need is, a, it needs we need better setup. It needs a better setup, I think. That is yeah. definitely not under a microscope there. But again, yeah. If my, my point that I want to come back to is the only reason we know this isn't the climax is that like if you take a look at the clock on the movie, there's right. plenty of time left right. to happen. It right. could be. And so then, Andy, I think what you're pointing out is what feels like the real climax is the real question is not whether Mulan would beat the army or not, but can she pull off this charade indefinitely? Right. What happens when she gets found out? Right. But that also is not Mm. the climax of the movie. No. Because it's still too early. The climax is the villains have, some of the villains have emerged from the snow. And it doesn't matter that a significant amount of the army didn't. They've got a plan to take the capital to, uh, it's going to be a stealthy attack as opposed to an all out, you know. um, Invasion. Right. Right. Yeah. But. But they've, they've got a plan and the emperor is in danger. And once again, Mulan and her and her team need to save the day. And even then, there's like another climax, which is what is the emperor going to say when he realized that he's been saved by, gasp, a woman. A woman. <laughs> right. I Yeah, it's. It's too mm. many. It's too many, too many climaxes yeah. and it's not, and they don't necessarily build or escalate the way that we need them to do. Right. Uh, I want to throw out, uh, this is just a writing thing. I know this is a kid's movie staple. I know it's a staple of the genre. I hate the moments in movie where a guy starts giving a speech about how like, Andy Redwine, you're the biggest screw up of all of the podcasters. You're you're in you're blah, blah, blah. and you're the best podcaster I've ever met. Right? Like like why do it in that right. way? Like like I get that it's dramatic for a viewer. It really is such a jerk move. It's the worst possible way to praise someone. I it's it's that idea like I want to make you cry a little bit. I yeah. want to make you stress. Um, yeah. I want this to be a change of underwear day, but then I'm going to praise you. And I hate that. Yeah, I hate it, that. It feels, it feels, feels kind of rotten, doesn't it? Okay. It, so then falling action and resolution. We have, and we Shang- do get some here, which we, which we don't lot, always quite get a, quite a bit, but then there's also this, you know, when Shang comes to, well, well, I would say this when the father and daughter make up. Right. I mean, that's uh, an, almost another little climax. She comes back to, having brought yeah. him honor, right? Yeah. Having, right. having, having honored him in this way and, and they reconcile. Right. Um, and, and Shang comes to, to uh, check up on Mulan, but we all he's, know he's what that's about. He's coming to court about. Mulan. This is, right. yeah, yeah. Grandma says, how about you stay forever? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I have a, I have a great aunt Bonnie. She would absolutely say something like that. Um, and Mushu also gets right. some falling action, which is yeah. he's he's done a good job, and he's his his place of honor is about to be restored. 
He's reinstated as a guardian, and then there's, right? And then there's yep. a party of the ancestors. Um, yeah. There's there's so much falling action here. Uh, and that is that is the plot for Mulan. That's, yeah. that's how the story structure breaks down. I like the falling action. I think those moments are the right moments. Yeah, I just, they're great. I would just go for cleaner climaxes. And what is yeah. this movie? Where are where are the stakes really? Well, let's talk about these characters. So we have Mulan, uh, Ming-Na Wen, who, uh, whose career spans from the Joy Luck Club to ER to the Mandalorian. She got her start as a royal trumpeter on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Well... Isn't not a bad cool? place to not a bad place to get your start. And her her singing voice uh, is as Leah Salonga, who originated uh, Miss Saigon in London. So, okay, yeah. What do we think of Milan? Okay, hot take that people aren't going to like. Uh oh. I have trouble tracking exactly what it is that Mulan wants. Right. Um, Fair. In the first act. When she wants to save her father, I'm with her. Mm-hmm. I get it. But then once she gets into the army, I and I, I think we kind of have talked about this, what she wants really becomes irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Does I don't really get the sense that, like, I understand she wants to be one of the soldiers and be treated as respectfully as the other soldiers are. Totally get that. But I don't get the sense of like what her end game is, what her end game objective is. Has she really thought about what it will be like to fight in war? Have any of them? What what is it like- that they want? Do they want to survive? Some of them might want to die honorably. I do just, you feel like they're pulling punches with Mulan's character a little bit. They are totally pulling punches with her because because it might be that Mulan's expectation is I'm going to go fight in the war. And I'm going to die, um, but that will bring honor to my family. And I would understand that. Does she want to win? Does she want to survive? Does she want to be one of the boys? What is it that she wants? Or has she achieved her goal? Her father's safe. And it's irrelevant hmm. what happens to her. I just don't know. It's tough, isn't it? I mean, it, it just it seems like the fighting becomes less about her father and more about, I don't know, identity maybe. But yeah, there is no, I think this her story objective needs to be a little, could be a lot stronger and about that. I, I think part of the problem here is the people that she's connected to, her confidants, mm-hmm. are a horse, a dragon, and a cricket. And right. while she does have those three other warriors that she's going to meet, those relationships aren't real relationships. Right. Um, those are, they are superficial characters at best. We can describe that. I mean, we will, we'll sure. talk about them in a little bit, but, but there's no, there's no real connection that she has with them that would mm-hmm. allow her to articulate what she really wants. Like, well, and it's it's almost like the the story purposes of like Mushu and Shang and even I mean that those sort of supersede what's happening here. Yeah, I mean, it her, becomes more important. Mushu has more wants than mm-hmm. Mulan has. Shang has more wants than yep. Mulan has. But Mulan is our protagonist. Right, right. It's got to be about her. 
Now, normally we do a segment called Protagonist Problems, but I really thought that we should talk about this all the way through because it really is, if this movie has flaws, it's because of that. So we might as well talk about it through plot no, and character as well. And I, I just, I think, I think that's right. Um, it's gotta and Mulan's be- awesome. Like she's great. Give her more. That, but that's you exactly know? it. In The yeah. Wizard of Oz, the, you know, movie I mentioned once in a while. <laughs> throughout the movie, we know what Dorothy wants and we know why she wants it. And when right. she meets other people, she's willing to help them along the way. And they have their own journeys to go out. But we never, ever have to ask, why is she doing this? We always know. Now, I would argue... And, and I think some people would have a problem with this interpretation, but it's what would work for me more than it more than it's about everybody else is if Mulan doesn't just want to be one of the soldiers, she needs to prove she's the best of the soldiers. Yeah, that would, that uh, would in work. Training. If that's something she cared about, that would could conceivably be a driving force. If she actually, you know, uh, I mean, she has some of that, but like, I want more. I want more than just she climbs the she pole that one time. It. Yeah, she has to talk about it, or we have to. It yeah, feels like she is she, the best, but and so she doesn't really need to prove it. It's just going to emerge that she's yeah, the best. Yeah, I think she needs to have some "I want" statements to Mushu as opposed to Mushu stealing the the show. She should have to convince Mushu not to bring her home. Ooh, that's I really was, what it is. Mushu should be is. like, look, I'm going to bring you home because that's what I've been charged yeah, to do. Yeah, that's, that's it, Larry. There's no tension between Mushu and Mulan. And Mulan should say, no, I have to go. I have to stay. And oh, Mushu should that's say, it. why? So instead of her father saving her, it should be Mushu trying to bring her back. Trying oh, to bring her back. And then like Sebastian the Crab in The Little Mermaid, Yes. Mushu gets convinced, okay, it's not what the ancestors want, and it's not what her father wants, but it's what she wants that's yes. important. That's what's missing here, because thematically that would that would change everything, wouldn't it? Let's yeah. talk about Mushu, uh, Eddie Murphy, who has done, gosh, a lot of Disney and Touchstone movies, like The Haunted Mansion and Distinguished Gentleman and Metro, Holy Man, some other Family films our audience might uh, know him from are The uh, Nutty Professor and Dr. Doolittle, Daddy Daycare, and of course, Shrek, which right. we, we I would argue that the dragon and uh, Mulan is the same as Donkey and Shrek. Very similar uh, they characters. Are, they are, if not if not identical, they're certain, they would certainly get one another, wouldn't they? Yeah, they sure would. Um, so, so what do you want to say about Mushu? It's... I, I mean, think- I, I I think he's there for comedy relief. And I think, again, look, if you look at Aladdin and the structure, right, there's probably a lot of fun. I'm sure Eddie Murphy brought his A-game to the studio and, uh, you know, as a comedian, right? Um, I just feel like there's not, it's not in service to, a lot of his stuff isn't in service to Milan. No, it's his story. He it's cares his about story. his needs, getting yeah. his needs met. He is yeah. a selfish companion to her. And yeah. I want to I want to throw out that while I can't speak to the cultural component of what we expect from a Chinese dragon, right? Um, I will I will throw out to you. I his dragonness is all about his physicality mm-hmm. and the fact that he can breathe fire, but but it isn't representative of and it's not a metaphor. For who he right. is. Um, if if you told me that it was one of the other, you know, 
11 signs of of the the horoscope uh you know if they'd sent another thing he would be talking the exact same way i i want more dragonness from him and and what would that mean i agree yeah so a dragonness would be i've seen people live and i've seen people die your lives are all very short why are you trying to shorten yours right mm, that's or, interesting yeah or or it could be you know like i am fierce um i am i am a warrior I'm a warrior spirit. Do you have that Mulan? It just oh, I, fa- to- I failed your father. I'm not going to fail you. Right? right, right. Let's connect them in a way in which I know they have parallel journeys. They both right. have something to prove, but they need to have something to prove to each other. And it's not a trope like in, um, you know, we, the genie in the lamp, right? That's sort of a trope or something that people automatically connect to. It's something we talk about, but we don't really think about what a dragon does, a dragon protector does for I kind of their wish person. we saw the other dragon spirit, the one that Mushu tries to awaken, just so we could get some sort of comparison between the two of them. That would be interesting. Or, um, yeah. alternatively, do any of these other soldiers have have uh, spirit guardians with them? Right? Like I mean, maybe, uh, that's a great question. Maybe we they see all have some a family we, temple, right? That almost, maybe everyone has, you can only see your own, maybe, but maybe all of them have someone who's there with them. And we can get some contrast between how Mushu behaves and the rest of them behave. And I'd have a better sense of who he is. That's the thing. We have zero other spirit guardians to compare him to. Yeah. None. They're all That's abstracted. He's the only one who's a character in this in this movie. That could be very interesting. Okay. You know who else should have something like that? The who? Huns should have something like that, a counterpart to Mushu. Yeah, I feel like there's there could be this almost like supernatural war going on that's manifesting in a uh, a physical war. I think once that would... you open up the idea that spirit guardians are real, then what we're saying, what's happening on Earth, also needs to be manifesting on a on a spiritual plane Correct. at the same time. Correct, and that the emperor sort of sees all of that, you know. Or, wow, that or would has be an spiritual... amazing Studio Ghibli movie sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, an yeah, amazing anime where we're seeing the yeah. spirit war at the same time. Oh, okay, that's great. That'd be awesome. Okay, so we have Lucky Cricket and the horse. We've mentioned. I have They're something sort of to say there. about Lucky Cricket. Yeah, tell me about Lucky Cree-cree. Cricket. Yeah. So I found out that the animators uh, and the storyboard artists and everybody who made Mulan hated the cricket. Didn't want him in the movie. That he was he was a note. I it might have come uh, from whoever the head of the studio was at that particular time that they wanted the cricket. But one animator was constantly in charge of, let's get a cricket, you know, your animation is about the cricket. And he would constantly have to say, and what is the cricket doing in that scene? And everybody else in the room would go, oh, the cricket. They did not, <laughs> they did not want him. He was, he was a forced on element into this. Oh, movie. that's too bad. That's too bad. And the horse is great. Yeah. I mean, the horse reminds me of I just think that's an interesting little footnote there. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, the horse sort of is there. The horse is, you know, the horse seems to be more about Mulan than Mushu to me. Yeah. Maybe. He, he is another great Disney horse. But I'd um, love to see the conflict between Mulan and Mushu and the horse be on Mulan's side with that. So, yeah. All right. Captain Lee Shang, uh, voiced by B.D. Wong, who's 
also no stranger to Disney projects, uh, voices Toad in uh, DuckTales and Agent Will Do and Kim Possible, right? Yes. Singing voice by Donny Osmond, uh, who is famous. Donnie and Marie from the 70s, who was trying a solo career in the 90s. and That is I, an interesting casting choice. That is an interesting choice, yeah. I mean, it works. So, anyway. I mean, he's got a beautiful voice. I'm just, yeah. I'm just yeah. saying. Uh, <laughs> so, so, the issue with Shang is, is, hmm. Do he takes look- over the movie because it becomes about him. His father dies and he becomes, it becomes about him sort of avenging his father. His stakes throughout this movie are higher than Mulan's ever are. Yep. And I have to tell you, there comes a point in this movie where I'm no longer rooting for Shang. I don't want Shang and Mulan to be together. No. Um, okay. So the moment for me, and maybe it's not the same moment. So, there's a moment where Mulan, as Ping, has mm-hmm. risked her life in this crazy way to save Shang. But in the process, so so that, that happens and Shang is like, I owe you a debt of honor. You saved my life and what have you. And then um, Ping gets revealed to be Mulan. And even though she has saved all of their lives, this to them is the greatest betrayal that they can imagine right. to the point huh. to the point where they like Shang is looks like he's going to kill her or dishonoring her. And the reason he gives her not doing it is, well, you saved my life. So here's me saving your life by not killing you. And I have to tell you, ladies, you can do better than that. <laughs> there is a, a I think any woman who's ever been in a um, like a business group uh, with a bunch of men who ends up saving the day has had this sort of experience where um, and I yeah, it feels very it feels very familiar to me. Um, But yeah, I think you can do better. I would rather her end up with one of the trio. Because yeah. I also think I also think this movie plays with the idea of physically beautiful people must be together, and we have right. those other three soldiers. What? Why does she have to? Be, if if he's that guy, if he's that guy who's like, you show me, you know, you you kept this one little thing from me when you were saving my life, I will kill you. Yeah, I, I gotta tell Creepy. you, those other guys are better. Yeah, Chenpo's better. Pick him. They're all better. Even <laughs> Yao is better. <laughs> Yeah. They're okay. all better. So Sean Yu, uh, Miguel Ferrar, who is a bad guy character actor in a lot of things, and also the son of Rosemary Clooney. Interesting enough. Um, what do we think? I, I think he's barely a character in this movie. Um, he I is don't menacing. Understand, I don't understand the motivation of Sean Yu. He's, other than just a, you built a wall and I have to cross it because you built the wall. In other words, he felt challenged, so he needed to do it. But we don't get the sense of what they're gaining from this, what they right. want. They're just there to kill everybody. To, and break things, right? <laughs> it, his, he, look, it's not about the acting of the role. I want to be very clear about no, that. No, it's great. The performance is great. It's as written, what is this guy doing? What does he want? What, what would the world be like under him? It just seems he's motivated to kill as many people as he can because because he can. 
Okay, I'll keep the cricket. Uh, I'll keep the cricket, but you can have the falcon. <laughs> oh, that falcon so, is that falcon is sinister. It's I, it's I, weird, I would, right? And why not like why not make that more sinister? Why and again, like I I think we're right. I think missed opportunity to make this even more supernatural. Though I'm not sure for 1998 if they were ready if Disney was ready to do that. Look, and and I understand you don't want to you don't want to mess with the tale of Mulan and I don't know if he actually right. is the villain from that story that that goes beyond my research, but I yeah. will throw this out to you. I can make this movie a million times better in 2 seconds with a do different it. villain. Yep. So, we don't actually see uh, who's leading the Hun army, but we see them from the shadows in darkness giving Mm -hmm. commands, the most ruthless warrior of the Huns. And it isn't until they actually meet Mulan where we realize that the person who's leading the Huns is also a woman. Oh, wow. Because that would be a real David and Goliath moment, wouldn't it? But also, right, right now, this dude has no relationship to Mulan. Right? Yeah. Like, like he is, he, he's not, he doesn't know Mulan. Again, I have this thing. Your bad guy should know your good guy's name. Uh, he he doesn't know Mulan's name. He's not like, I'm here because of Mulan. He's, his enemy is the emperor. Right? Yeah, and, and then if, 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 the, if the enemy then identifies Mulan's Achilles heel as, ah, you're a woman, right? Even if the, even if the Shan Yu wasn't a woman, right? It would be interesting to like have them mess with that, you know, and, and, and have a little head game there. Female villain in Mulan says to Mulan, they will never respect you unless you demand that respect. Mm. Right? You're you're trying to you're trying to serve them. You're trying to have what you want and and but you're better than them. I'm better than them. So something along those lines. So she's a, so the villain is an actual foil to Mulan's yeah. experience. Mulan wants to be one of the guys. This villain wants to be over them, right? I'm constantly surmounting challenges. I surmounted the wall, didn't I? Yeah. I'm a woman who rose, and I get, and 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 there are going to be listeners who are like, but but Larry, that's not the story as written. Um, and I get that. It's and and if culturally that's the wrong answer, then that's the wrong answer. Yeah, yeah. But for for me, for a general movie. I want my villain to comment on my hero. The existence of the villain mm-hmm. should say something about who our heroes are. And Disney movies do a great job of that in general. When right. they don't try for that, we get this, where we're like, what's this villain doing? What are they about? What's going on? They're just, yeah. And it makes, yeah, it makes, yeah, I agree. All right. Yao, Ling, and Chen Po. Uh, okay. Harvey Firestein, Getty Wanatabi, and... Uh, uh, Jerry Tondo. So, so they're the three stooges, right? Absolutely. That's exactly what I was about to say. So my, I mean, and, and there's nothing more to them than that. They are, you not, I, when I nod my head, you hit it slapsticky, um, constantly scrapping. There's no real depth there. Yeah. Um, even when they talk, when they talk about how they'd like to have a girl worth fighting for, it's in, it doesn't even reveal anything about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're there. I wish they yeah. were actually characters. I, I wish they weren't a trio, but instead people who Mulan could interact with and have individualized relationships with, as right. opposed to they're a group, 
And she always talks to the three of them. Right. I mean, I, I think at the end, they do help quite a bit. And it's interesting that they're willing to dress as women as as Mulan's been dressing as a man. I mean, they that was kind of an interesting thing. They are better than Shang is. They are, completely. Because because I don't get the sense. when In those scenes where she gets found out and she's a woman, mm-hmm. the three of them are like, oh, but they're not happy to see Shang come at her with the sword. No, no. They've got, if if they had more power, they'd have her back. She's their friend. Right, right. I like them better. And I want to point out one other thing. Yeah. I do not like the body shaming. I do not like, I hate that line is, I don't care what my wife looks like as long, I, what I care is about what she cooks like. I, I hate that. I hate every joke about his weight. Mm. Uh, and I hated it in 1998. That's not a modern sensibility. I've always hated that. It's not funny. No. We 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 don't all look like Shang out there and some of us <laughs> never will. And that's fine. Amen I mean I that. do. I exactly <laughs> look like Shang. I'm just talking for uh, this is an audio medium. People. They'll never know. <laughs> well, let's talk about Falju and uh Fali, um uh, the mother and father and and also grandmother Fa. Uh so we have Sunteko and Frida Foshen and uh June Foray, who by the way, the grandmother also voiced uh, Rocky the Flying Squirrel, Natasha Fatale, Lucifer from Cinderella, Jokey Smurf, and, Gran- and- Granny in the Wa- Warner Brothers cartoons. I mean, there was Chuck Jones, who was a very famous animator, once said that June Foray is not the female Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc was the male, male June Foray. Uh, I also have to toss out Ma Beagle. Oh, yeah. Um, I yeah. believe Magic and Dispel also. Yes. And I have to mention Grammy Gummy for one member of our audience who would be upset with me if I didn't mention Grammy Gummy. Okay. Well, and a singing voice also by Marnie Nixon, who is the voice of literally everybody in uh, film from 1950s to 60s. So also the voice of uh, uh, Deborah Kerr and The King and I and An Affair to Remember which is my favorite movie. Uh, Natalie Wood in West Side Story, Audrey Hepburn in My My Fair Lady. I think Marnie Nixon did some singing in White Christmas too. I mean, it goes on and on. I love Grandmother. I think Mom and Dad are kind of meh. They're okay. I I also felt they were meh and not fully developed as characters. Grandma reminded me of Laverne from Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was not June Foray. I looked it up. But it felt like a very sort of like, there's your wacky grandma who, 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 like, she's the most progressive of the three family she, members. She is. And do you get the sense that grandmother gets Mulan in a way her parents don't? Wouldn't have minded a scene in which Mulan is leaving and grandma catches her going. Right? And I, or grandma yes. says, you forgot and, your sword or something yeah, exactly, along those lines. Some, exactly. Or hides her or does something instead of just saying she's gone. Right. Some um, sister, th- some sisterhood between them. Like, I think there's, yeah, I think there's a missed opportunity. Like I said, I have a great aunt who is exactly like grandmother Fa in this. Who's sort of outspoken and just sort of speaks her mind and knows things. You don't really know why she knows them. Right. Um, it, but yeah, I would love that. I think this, that would, this actually makes me realize something about this movie. What's that? Is that it doesn't have enough women in it. Because, <laughs> because Mulan doesn't have any peers. She yeah. has no girlfriends 
her own age yeah, to and draw because, contrast with. Because of that, it would be it would be interesting to see like, you know, Mulan have a thing with her mother and her mother's really upset about the, you know, about not making it with the matchmaker or whatever. And grandmother's like, it's okay, you know. And and but instead it's with her father that talks about the flowers opening at different times, right? And I nope. get that. We want to see her have a connection with her dad, but it's odd to me that the connection with her dad goes from you're bringing shame to me to flowers open nicely to you're bringing more shame. You know, it's just, he seems really. It almost feels transactional. Their yeah. relationship. I, in the yeah. animation, I can tell that they love each other from the nonverbal. The right. text feels very transactional between the yes. two. Of them. Yes. Okay. Emperor of China, Pat Morita, Karate Kid, Happy Days. All right. You're not going to like this. Okay. I had a rough opinion of the emperor at the start of this movie. Yeah. The general says to him, uh, our armies will meet uh, the Huns in battle and we'll defeat them. And the emperor says, well, let's, let's get some conscripts in there. The general then says, we don't need them. Our army is big enough. And the emperor says, even a single man can make a difference. And I know we're supposed to take that as inspirational, but, but like, if you told, if I told you, if I was the general, I'm like, our army is big enough, we can do this. And you're like, no, I want to draft anyway. Are you the hero of this story? I don't think you <laughs> good, are. Good point. <laughs> Listen good point. to you. Now, as it turns out, I do think it's an emphasis on the collective in the fact that they want to just really overwhelm with their numbers. And I think that's a possibility, but yeah, it. It, yeah, I, it I didn't make me. From. It didn't make me love him. I don't yeah. love that little joke he plays on the end at Mulan. Mm-hmm. Um, but but here is here is really the question for the emperor. Mm-hmm. And I and I apologize because I treat these as stories, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What has the emperor learned at the end of this story? Has he learned that women are to be valued, or has he learned that on occasion a woman can be valued? Mm. And I would argue that this movie is... Well, yeah, because a woman has to prove themselves, right? If a woman proves herself and does all this crazy stuff, then yeah, she's okay. But the rest of you, right? His last line is, a woman like that doesn't come around every dynasty. Mm. In other words, Mulan is exceptional, not like most women. Right. And to a degree, I respect that. Because Mulan is exceptional and not like most women. But on the other hand, if we're talking about fighting the patriarchy, what Mm -hmm. Mulan does should elevate all women. Because if one woman could do it, other women could do it too. And and I feel like what what we've really had here for China in this movie is the status quo has been maintained and an mm-hmm. exception has been made for Mulan in terms of how she's going to function in society, mm-hmm. but that we haven't actually learned anything and progressed in a meaningful way. Uh, there's nothing to learn except that every once in a while, a woman might be great. And yeah, uh, that's, I see a, that's, that a rough, pre- that's rough thematically, isn't it? It, yeah. it bothers me. Uh, again, again, if you want to critique me on this audience, feel free because this is something I'm working through and not one of those things I want to uh, live and die by. I'm a work in progress as are we all, but, but I really, I, I, that last, that last line bothers me 
A woman like that yeah. doesn't come around every dynasty. How do you know that? Who's had well, the, the opportunity <sighs> to prove that? Well, the other thing is, is like I, the thing, another thing I like, I really love this movie. Okay. But like, if I sit and think about it for a little bit, I don't like the fact that Shang is now a romantic suitor. Sure. I, I think he should, he has a lot to apologize for. A lot. <laughs> before he goes saying, oh, here's your helmet. Like, my, And whatever. he should be apologizing regardless of whether he thinks Mulan will ever be interested in exactly, him romantically. Exactly. Exactly. He should, he's there to court And I, I do think it's kind of nebulous as to whether, uh, they leave it kind of nebulous. Like, is she going to accept him or not? We don't she, really know. And want to hear the worst thing about Shang? Yeah. She comes running to him and says, the Huns are coming. And he says, why should I believe you? You just did a terrible job, dude. You know, like evaluate yeah. the message. If you're like, if you're like, I'm still mad at you, but I, so I'm going to ignore this potential danger to the city because it, I don't like the messenger who's bringing it to me. You should not. Yeah, be. he's got he's got a lot. Shank's got a lot of work to do. So maybe Mulan deserves better. Yep, she deserves yep. better. I agree. Uh, music in this movie, uh, I it's very sticky for me. Um, a girl worth fighting for and I'll make a man out of you and reflect. Those are all songs that kind of go through my head from time to time. Uh, reflection. I, I Honor mean, to us all. Yeah. They're fine. Um, I, I, they don't do much for me. They, they're montage sequences very often. Mm-hmm. The movies are there to show the, no, sorry, the movie. The songs are there to show the passage of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's often for me, not what the music is doing, but the scenes that are behind it, that's the part we're supposed to be paying attention to. Yeah, it is kind of montage isn't it? That's interesting. We see them training through one song. Yeah, we yeah. see them, we see them making their plan. And the, the music is incidental to the action that's happening, rather than uh, the action being in service to the music. And so I don't, I'm, and I'm not saying the music is bad. I'm just yeah. saying... I'm just saying I have trouble paying attention to it because every time there's music, the visual is more important than the audio. Is that fair? Yeah, maybe. Um, Question for you, Andy. Yeah, yes. Why doesn't Mushu have a song? That is a great question. Um, I have that in in my notes too. Again, you're reading my mind. That's funny. Um, Yeah, I think you should. I think Uh, it would make more sense. that would contrast think, with these others a little. Yeah, and I think maybe when we meet the ancestors, if they had a song and Mush and talk about why Mushu isn't, I mean, they, that could be part, a great exposition for him. So we could learn something about him that would make him a more real character to yeah. us. Yeah, and we could have he, fun doing it. Yeah. Um. All right. So I think we've done our done as much with this as we can is it time for game time with larry sure. Let's so, do- sometimes we do pitches on this and um we we decided uh this time sometimes we don't and so game time with larry is becoming one of my favorite segments so let's- oh, it's a lot of work for me though and you have to come up with a game <laughs> sure it's fun for you All i right. spend hours meticulously putting together okay that's not true so so no it is not true so the game that we're going to play andy is called first or false which is a game that i made up which is basically true false but with a fancier name i'm going to tell you something about mulan and you're going to tell me whether she was the first Uh disney princess of whom this is true 
okay. or a character or whatever the category is, or if it's false and it's not true. And here's an example of an easy one. Mulan is the first animated Disney princess who is Chinese. Well, first that would be, or false? That would be first. Cool. They get a little harder than that. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> and, and if you want, you can go for bonus points, which are meaningless because this game is not scored. <laughs> If it's false, but you, you can, but you know I'm going to go for the meaningless if you, bonus points. If you can, they're meaningless. <laughs> okay, okay. But, but if it's okay. false, tell me why it's false. Okay. okay. All right. All right. All right. First or false? Mulan is the first left-handed Disney princess. Ooh. Ooh. Wait, is Belle left-handed? Well, if I tell you that, that I, might I'm, give I'm away the say, game. I'm going to say false. I'm going to say Bell's left-handed. It is first. It was a decision. Oh, really? From what I've read, it was a decision made by the animators that one of the ways they were going to establish that Mulan is is left-handed, uh, Mulan is different from the other princesses, is because she's left-handed. Um, and that, uh, would, that would make her... Do you know, I did not notice that Mulan was left-handed. So. Oh, I didn't notice either. I just I just did some Google searching, and maybe okay. I'm wrong, but because but, you know what? The internet is not that reliable a source. <laughs> That's All okay. Right. Okay. Mulan is the first Disney princess not to be an actual princess, as she was not born to royalty nor marries royalty. Okay, I would no. Cinderella's not a royal princess, but, so that but would, she marries be, royalty. Oh, she does, doesn't she? Okay, let me think. Let me go through here. Um, I'm gonna say false. Okay, so the research people make this claim about Mulan and would say that it's first, but I think they are forgetting about a character known as Alice in Wonderland. Wonderland, there it who is. Who is yeah. classified as a Disney princess, and yet is not royal or related to royalty. Right, right, right. All right. She is the first Disney princess uh, to have both of her appearance live through the entire movie. Oh, false. Sleeping Beauty's parents. That is correct. Sleeping Beauty is the first yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> she is the first Disney princess to be raised by both of her biological parents. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm going to say she's the first. She is the first. Interesting. She is the first. All right. All right. She is the first. I'm, I'm sweating here, Larry. She is the first <laughs> Disney princess to wear pants. Mmm. Wow. I'm going to say first. She is the second. Oh, who's the second? Who's the, first the first one, Jasmine. Jasmine. Jasmine wears pants. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. She is the first Disney princess to receive a haircut during a movie. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, hairstyles change, but I don't Hairstyles they... change, but haircut. Haircut. Uh, I'm gonna say first. You are correct. She okay. is first. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've got I've got two more. You ready? My, palm, my palms are sweaty. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she is the first princess not to sing about her love for a hero or prince. Uh 
da, 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 da. Does, well, no, because uh, Alice doesn't do that. Alice doesn't do that either. People <laughs> say she's the first, but I just, you, you guys, you guys have to know Alice is my ride or die princess. And oh yeah. Alice that, is absolutely a princess. She is the first princess to be visibly, physically wounded. Not the first to be wounded, but the first to be visibly, physically wounded. Um. Hmm. I'll say first. She is the first. Okay. Oh, and phew. and of okay. course, the point, <laughs> the point of this game is like Mulan did a lot of groundbreaking. Yeah. Um. In in a number of different ways, and yeah, that, that's my game. First or false? What Yay, do you think? Good job. That was that was really trickier than I thought. So I kept thinking, oh yeah, that's that was good. In the back of my head, I was like, well, she's always got a fifty percent chance of just guessing. <laughs> so feels like feels like the stakes are low. Also, I did not keep score, so you won. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> And I was the only player. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I think season five's off to a great start, Larry. <laughs> I think so too. What are we what are we doing next week? We're doing a movie I've never seen called The Princess Diaries. I I don't know much about it. I've seen the trailer for it. I suspect she's a princess who also wears pants at some points. Um but but I'm ex I, I in my bones, from looking at the trailer, I feel like I'm gonna have a good time with this movie. I think you will. Um, and of course, Julie Andrews is in it. So how 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 bad can that be? Well, maybe we'll eat those words next week. We'll find out. <laughs> well, if you like what you're hearing, friends, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? Please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can drop us a line in our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon. <laughs>